Hello, friends. Welcome to Originality Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dalton. And joining me today, as always, is our show's awesome producer, Amanda Foster. What's up? Today, we are going to be continuing our series, Speaking of the Enneagram. This is part four on how to respond when you think someone has mistyped. So we're going to talk about some do's and don'ts around when you have a good friend or family member or just somebody you know, and you think that they have mistyped. How do you approach that conversation? How, if somebody thinks that you've mistyped, how do you approach that conversation? Very potentially hurtful conversation, really delicate subject matter. We want to make sure that we are really intentional about loving people well as we have conversations because our words matter. We are making these episodes as concise and to the point as we can so you can figure out your type and learn how to grow without reading the whole book first. So without further ado, here are some do's and don'ts around when you think someone is mistyped. So one, do ask what they relate to in that type. So if somebody is talking to you about the Enneagram and they're like, hey, so yeah, I, I'm a whatever, like I'm a four and you really think that they're not a four, like you think they're a seven or they're an eight and you're like, well, they just learned about the Enneagram instead of being like, oh, well, have you thought about maybe like, do you think you could maybe not be a four? Like, maybe you could be like a seven or eight. Don't say that. That's don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've definitely done. <laughs> I've um, definitely done that too. Yeah. But instead, start by asking, okay, so what What about the four do you relate to in that type? Like, what in the descriptions have you read that you really relate to? Yeah. Don't tell them that you think you know their inner life better than they do, which is basically what you're saying when you're like, oh, yeah, that's not your type. If you say that, then, yeah, like you don't know what's the Enneagram's all about our inner life. What's going on in our mind, in in our subconscious motivations and in our blind spots and you assuming that you know that it, it's it's not this isn't a personality assessment that's all about behaviors so you really may not know what is going on on the inside of someone and depending on their parents types or their spouse's type or the the personality traits that are required of them in the job setting that they're in they may not look anything like their type they may not fit the stereotype at all, depending on their subtype, their wings. There's so many variations, too, that factor into that. And so you can't possibly assume to know whether or not you know what their type is. They're going to know what their type is better than you are. You may have more done more research with the Enneagram. You may know more about the Enneagram. And so you could potentially ask questions that help them better learn about the Enneagram and decipher what their type is. But you just want to make sure you go about that in a way that's humble and not prideful and assuming that you know more about them than they do. So does this count for spouses <laughs> as well? <laughs> 
since we've like on this podcast had multiple conversations trying to figure out what lyrics type if is. lyric is really a nine because let me just tell you he just acts a lot like a five he kind of <laughs> really does but like he could totally be a nine too but funny enough my so husband true. had lunch with lyric last week and this will be unfortunate if Lyric finds out about this from the podcast. But my husband was talking to me and he was like, man, like, I know Lyric says he's a nine, but like, he just does some things Aww. and says some things that really make me think he's a five. And we've had conversations with Lyric. When this all started, we did the type five episode and got off the episode and Amanda was like, I wonder if Lyric's a five. <laughs> But we hadn't even done the nine episode yet. So we had to wait until the nine episode was done and then have Lyric listen to both of them. And he thinks he's a nine. Mm -hmm. So we're going to believe him. We're going to believe that. So yes, yes. In response to your question. <laughs> we're going to believe he knows better about what happens in his mind and in his heart than yeah. we know. Yeah, he's probably right. <laughs> <laughs> And but I mean it's it's true though like but even, that's so perfectly like like displays what that tension is where like mm -hmm. you see so many characteristics of another type in somebody that you love but yet they identify with a different type mm -hmm. like um like in my husband's family um his dad identifies with type 9 and a lot of people in the family really think he's a five. He has a lot of five-ish qualities. And really? especially when he was younger, he had a lot of five qualities. So there's definitely a correlation between five and nine that's really interesting. because um, That's very interesting. Lyric is not the only person that I know that is identifies as a nine, but has a lot of five qualities. Looks like a five. Yeah. But it's there's definitely a tension in the family of like we all really think you're this type and like which it's okay that's okay <laughs> at the end of the day well what I mean is like at the end of the day it's okay whatever type someone is you know it's not going to affect you if they think you know they're a different well, type or and we can all learn from all of the types so yeah. maybe. God has you learning about one type for a season and the Lord is actually going to unlock some things in learning about that type. Somebody identifying as a type that's not them, really their personality type before a season, that's not going to do any harm. It's just how they communicate about the personality type that can be harmful. So basically, if you over identify with something that's not you or you place your identity in an Enneagram type, whether that is your type or not, that can be harmful. So our second do and don't. So do point out similar characteristics that they have in both types. Some of the types can be very similar. So do point out like, oh, well, you know, once you ask someone, oh, what do you relate to in this type? You can point out like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of similarities between this type and this type in this regard. Um, don't tell them why you don't think they could be their type. Our third do and don't, do share resources and encourage them to learn more. 
don't send them the info on the type you think that they are. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And our fourth do and don't do talk about your type and what you've learned about yourself. Don't project your habits and blind spots onto others as you become more aware of them, which is huge. So many people struggle with that. I've really struggled with that. I don't know how many people I've been like, I really think that you're a seven because you do the same things that I do. Like, (laughs) oh, no. (laughs) And and it's just not a very nice thing. But it's, it's really tempting as you're learning about your Enneagram type and you're becoming more aware of your blind spots to then project that on other people. And that may not be their type. So yeah. just be really in, in t- like aware of that tendency as you're talking to people about the Enneagram. Yeah. And even if it is their type, it just might not be good to project. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> like all. not do that. That would be that would be a nice thing to do. Yeah. Or to not do. I've definitely told someone why I think they're not a number. <laughs> like with the example that I gave, um, I think in the part two of this series where someone was thought they were a seven and I was like, I really think you're a three, yeah. man. And I was like, you're not a seven because they had just said, uh, oh, I didn't like to travel until I got married. And, and then my, my spouse showed me how to, how to travel and now I really like it. Hmm. And I was like, well, if you were a seven, you would have wanted to travel before you got married (laughs) or something (laughs) like that is what I said, which obviously that can look very different. Like that, not all sevens need to like to travel. I feel like it's rare for a seven not to to travel, but maybe they find adventure in a different way for some reason. You know, I don't want to put a seven in a box. But, um, you know, I was like, I don't know, man. And then and then I said all of I I, well, what I did was I described a three and I was like, this is what a three is. And I said very, very quick things. I also I I, um, brought out this song, uh, Sleeping at Last Mm, three song, Mm -hmm. and I played it for him and he was like. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, I feel like this song just read my mail, so I might be a three. But again, that is, and we listened to the seven one as well. We did. Mm-hmm. I was like, here's both. Um, we were on a road trip, so it made it really easy. I so, but playing the song for him is kind of what you said. Like, don't just send someone the information on another number. (laughs) I was like, here's what the three is. Here's the song. Um, But I mean, genuinely, we both walked away from that feeling like he was a three. So Mm -hmm. I think it was okay. But um, yeah, definitely have done those things. And, And I can see why it would be more helpful to have to just ask those questions um, instead of just saying, well, I think you are because this, this, and this. But again, I did just describe what the three was. And then he was just like, yeah, I think that's very yeah. much my number. But well, yeah. and those, those two numbers, like seven and three, they get, it's, it can be really difficult to tell the difference between them, especially depending on what somebody's Myers-Briggs type is or what their subtype is. Like, like I have 
uh, a friend that goes back and forth, has done a lot of research on the Enneagram, goes back and forth all the time on whether or not they're a three or a seven. Three and eight can be really hard to tell the difference between sometimes, um, obviously depending on what kind of three or eight they are. Um, twos and nines can really seem very similar depending on the person. Four and nine can be really similar. Um, obviously five and nine can be confusing. Six and nine can be basically nine. Nines are confusing. Anything. Because they relate to all the types Mm -hmm. and they blend easily with people that they're with. So sometimes they struggle to know who they are within themselves. But yeah, like you're probably not gonna mistype a one with a seven. Like that's probably not gonna be it's possible. If anybody was going to do that, it would be me. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's less likely and I'm probably not going to mistype a threes and twos are super different and they can they can both have oh, the wing of the other and that would be why they would mistype. But you're probably not going to mistype a one and a four. But I, I know somebody who's struggled between those numbers too. I have conversations with people fairly often that thought that they were one type for a significant period of time only to learn more about the Enneagram and realize they're a different type. It happens. And it's a journey of figuring out what your Enneagram type is. Basically, like, as you learn about what the characteristics are, that then gives opportunity for you to observe yourself, the motivations of your heart, the way that you're processing your decision making and approaching things. It's then the opportunity to observe and to grow as you observe yourself. And sometimes it takes time to figure out a type. Sometimes it's so obvious. Like, And the more that I've typed people, the more I've realized I'm way more accurate when I start the conversation by taking a minute and asking myself the question, what is the feeling that I get from this person? And I can, I can kind of intuitively know what their type is. And then I ask questions because sometimes the questions just people get caught on certain words or certain ideas are like, well, this is how I am with my family, but this is how I am at work. And it can be confusing. Um, or this is how I was when I was a teenager, but this is how I am now. Um, but usually you can kind of get a feeling from people of like, this is this is probably their type. And sometimes it's really obvious. And then sometimes you mistype someone for two years. So <laughs> um, I think I have grown and just like I've been humbled <laughs> in this regard um, of like, oh, yeah. I'm not going to know somebody as well as they know themselves. Now, I will say mm-hmm. we have we have a mutual friend who thought that they were a a four for like a really long time. And I had like a whole like we went to had a whole like conversation and then we went to lunch with this couple and I was like pretty sure that they were an eight. And then like six months later, they tell me, oh, yeah, he's an eight. <laughs> but like and so there have been times when like I've been right, but also how I approach that conversation can really hurt someone. And if I don't approach that in love and asking questions and, well, why do you feel like you relate more to this than this? And what would it mean to you if you were this personality type versus this personality type? What would like, you know, usually we have some sort of, what happens a lot is people may have 
been labeled or uh, had lies spoken over them that are attached to their personality type. And so there could be a wall or a block that keeps them from being able to own or um, accept that that is how they tend to show up in the world on autopilot or interact with other people. Even if they are self-aware people, they can struggle with it because of their own pain, because of their own wounding. Sometimes it's just really hard to accept that that is what what you're struggling with. And so I really believe that in order for that to happen in a way that can actually bring about transformation in somebody's life, for people to be able to, to figure out their Enneagram type and learn about the Enneagram and go on that journey, it has to be in God's timing. It has to be in the time and place and way where they can sit down and learn this information because there's so much and learn it in a way where they get past the initial um, shock of it all, the, the sharpness to it. <sighs> How do I say this? Like Exposing. Yeah, that was the word I was thinking of. It, it's exposing and it's, it's a little painful. That vulnerability is painful. There's a grief that comes with it. And so being in a place where you have the space to process those emotions and to go on a journey with the Holy Spirit to grow and to heal and to learn, um, it they may not be ready for that. They may have other things going on in their life where they're not ready to learn about their Enneagram type. And so I never want to force that on someone and I never want to try and force someone to take on a personality type that they don't think they are. And even if I think they've mistyped and I'm pretty convinced of it. Just because we are all on our a, a journey of sanctification, a work that the Holy Spirit is doing to make us like Christ. And I really do genuinely believe, especially in this day and time, that the Holy Spirit is using the Enneagram to do a healing work in the lives of people and to bring about greater uh, compassion, awareness, maturity for both in ourselves and for other believers. But not everybody is going to be ready for that. And accepting that and, and learning to not push people, but to approach them with humility and love. I feel like those are core lessons within the Enneagram itself, but also within Jesus, like the life of Jesus. <laughs> and so yeah, I think it's just so important that we're intentional about how we talk to people, that we love people well. All right, well, that's it for today. Tune in next week for part five of our Speaking of the Enneagram series. Next week, we're going to be talking about what personality can tell us and what it cannot tell us. I'm so grateful for those of you who have been listening and sharing the podcast. If you loved this episode, if it ministered to you, or if you learned something new, please leave a review on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram at Originality Podcast and at Jess Loves Personality. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I'd like to close out our time together with a quote from C.S. Lewis. No man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth, you will become original without ever having noticed it. Until next time.